0: Amen. You guys can have a seat. Are you all doing good? We good? Yeah, a few people in this room are good. I don't know. The sun must have not have got you this morning or something. Man, I'm so glad that you're here with us. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome. My name is Luke and just honored that you have joined to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you are new with us, we've been going through the Beatitudes, and it's really this study um, of the beginning of the greatest sermon ever written where Jesus begins to begins this sermon that, if we honestly could probably take two years studying it, but he begins this sermon with a bunch of things, and they all start with blessed are. And we, have you, if you've been with us for a while, been working through those, this one this morning, honestly, is a very challenging one. Uh, It's one that is not easy to swallow sometimes. As we're going to talk about Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. But if we look at these Beatitudes, they really all start with really this promise of blessing and then it moves to like this challenge almost sorry i'm kind of dist- i got to move these things i'm like seeing them out of my peripherals and it's distracting me it moves into this challenge so like blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god and we're like well the pure in heart like what is that it's really kind of this this challenge this declaration Right? But this morning, we're gonna see one of the most difficult ones for me to gather because, as we're gonna see, peacemaking is completely different than peacekeeping. They're two different things. We like peacekeeping, peacekeeping's easy, right? Don't step on anyone's toes. Make sure everyone feels comfortable. Don't say the things that may hurt or offend someone. We just got to do these things to keep the peace. But that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is going to say is, if you are marked by me, if you are a son or daughter of my father, of the king, then you will be peacemakers because you will reflect my nature. As we're going to see, God was the greatest peacemaker in all of history. So the big question this morning I want to get across before we get going is this. We've been walking through this for quite some time. And I think it's easy to read these Beatitudes and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, I kind of got to work on that. Or maybe I struggle a little bit, but I'm going to work on it this week. But really, we have to ask this question before we get going. Do you really believe in who Jesus is? And further than that, do you really believe that when he makes a promise that it's true? Do you really believe that all throughout the Beatitudes, for instance, today, that if we become peacemakers, that you will be blessed? Do you believe it? That's really the question because we can walk through all of these things and like, that's great. Yeah, Luke, that's great for my moral code, like becoming a better person. But my question is this. Do you fully believe and trust that Jesus is good and that he means what he says? Because if we really believe that, it's utterly going to shape and change how we receive his word today. It's his word, not mine. Right? I'm just the messenger. I'm just trying to communicate what he has said. But listen, hear me. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. So as we get going, I'm just going to prepare you. There's going to be some things that maybe are a little difficult to hear and maybe make you feel a little like shifty in your chair. Maybe because of a fractured relationship or something that has been broken for many years or someone has treated you in a way that you did not deserve. And I'm just just telling you up front, there's going to be some antsiness in your heart. But I want you to hear this. If we will heed what Jesus says, he says there is blessing in it. You want your relationships to be blessed? Listen to what Jesus says. You want your marriage to maybe be healed of some brokenness? Listen to what Jesus says. Because peace-making is completely different than peace-keeping. God, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you that you are so good. And I thank you that because you're so good, you have laid out roadmaps to a blessed life. And while blessing is not everything that we make it up to be in this culture, God, You will give the fullness of your blessing if we will heed your word and listen and respond to what you are saying. So, God, I thank you for who you are. And I pray this morning, God, that you would do such an amazing thing in this room, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would challenge us, and that we would lean in so that we might live in the fullness of this blessing that you're talking about if we will do the things that you have called us to do. And God, I've lastly, I pray this, if there's someone in this room that is far from you and really doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would begin to draw them to yourself right now, that you would reveal to them for the very first time how amazing, stunning, and remarkable you are, God. For you are such a good and a loving God. We thank you for who you are, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. As we have walked through this, we need to remember a couple things. One is blessed is this idea of just happy, this idea of like, not superficial, and it's bigger than my circumstance. It's utter blessing. It's not God giving everything that we want, right, in our flesh. It's just that he promises that if we will do and become these people, that we will experience utter joy, utter happiness, utter blessing. When the Bible speaks of peace, it uses the word shalom. All throughout Scripture, the word shalom is used, and I want you to hear very closely what it means. It means wholeness completeness, fulfillment, or living without deficiency or lack. This idea that you're completely full, this idea that you're completely content, and it's not determined nor dictated by what your spouse has done or your best friend or the relationship that's fractured or the struggle that you're walking through in your life, it's not determined by that. Peace is this wholeness. This fulfillment, which is why the Bible says Jesus himself is the prince of peace. He's whole. He's full. He's complete. See, real peace is not found in the absence of something, right? Sometimes we go through life and we're like, God, just give me peace right now. I need it, man. I don't even know what's going on. All I know is my world is completely unraveling and falling apart. And that's when we ask for peace because we're lacking something that we want, That's really not the idea of full peace. It's not just this idea of when we're being emptied out, but it's really this idea of when we are being filled up by God himself, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God, the Savior of the world. As I've said earlier, peacemaking is different than peacekeeping. And this, if we're honest, is what makes this beatitude very, very difficult right? I mean, it'd be easy. Think about it. If Jesus like, blessed are the peacekeepers, those who don't offend anyone and those who walk into this relationship and say everything that they need to say just to make sure that the tension doesn't break. Blessed are those who just kind of walk through life and we don't really stand on anything, especially in a culture today. I mean, truth is relative, right? I'm just joking. It's not. <laughs> truth is concrete, Truth is true. It is real. Peacekeeping is easy in a relative world. You don't offend anyone. Don't stand on anything. Peacemaking. Hear the difference. This is peacemaking. You enter into a place where conflict does exist for the purpose of making peace. It's what Jesus did as we're about to see. They're different though. Peacekeeping and peacemaking are completely different. Peacekeeping could be this, keep the peace, right? Lots of us love this. We don't want to offend anyone. We skirt around conflict. Maybe it's peace at any price, or maybe it's don't want to step on your neighbor's toes or your wife's or anything to avoid trouble or not standing where she's standing. The list could go on and on and on, but peacemaking is this, as I said, walking into conflict having the difficult conversations, standing firm on the truth, and often walking straight into the fire and the flames of life itself. For the purpose of what? Peace. That we may experience this wholeness and this fulfillment that Jesus promises if we will be that type of person. See, I want you to hear this. Peacemaking is this. Making peace where conflict does exist. That's what peacemaking is. It's not peace happening, right? Oh, yeah, peace happening. Jesus says, blessed are the peace happeners, for they shall be called sons of God. No, peace doesn't just happen. Peace with us, peace with God didn't just happen. Jesus himself walked straight into conflict for why? That we may have peace with God. Peace does not just happen. He has called us to be a part of his message of reconciliation, and we are to go straight into conflict for the sake of peace. Listen to what Jesus himself, the Bible says, was the ex- ultimate example. Isaiah 9-6 refers to Jesus as the prince of peace. Remember our definition for print or peace? The prince of wholeness, the prince of fulfillment, the prince of completeness. That's Jesus. Peace. And yet, Jesus never minced words. He never backed away from what was true. He marched right into conflict. Doubt me? I mean, look it. He flipped tables in the temple. He called out sin where it needed to be called out. He made peace happen where there was none. What? Peace with God. We, as humans, had no peace with God. We were utterly destined to separation. But Jesus marched into conflict with sin itself hanging on a cross so that we could experience peace with God, so that he could satisfy the whole wrath of God, he had to march straight into conflict. Known as the cross, known as betrayal, known as rejection, known as being and going into the places that we deserve to go into. Think about it. He didn't walk from the cross. He walked straight to it. Think about it. He didn't walk away from those who were against him, but walked directly to them and loved them anyway. Think about it. He didn't avoid those who hated him, but he pursued those who hated him. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. Why did he do all this? To make peace. And we are to do the same. Because we, if we are in Christ, reflect his nature. And a byproduct of the nature of God is we imitate who he is, the greatest peacemaker the world has ever seen. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. See, when we are peacemakers, we reflect the character and nature of God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 13, 11, and I think we have it for the screen. Finally, brothers, rejoice. I love this. Aim, like target, like if you're aiming, hunting season is coming. All you hunters know, you get out your target at 100 yards, and for a lot of you, you're probably like, oh, yeah, 10-inch group. Man, that's amazing. I haven't shot since last year anyway. Well, when you get to 500, trust me, 10 inches ain't amazing on a target. We're aiming for that, baby. And that's what Jesus is saying here. The aim, the target, where you should be aiming is for restoration. Comfort with one another sounds a whole lot like peace. Agree with one another. Live in peace, Paul says. And then what? And the God of love and peace shall be with you. This is who God is, is what Paul is saying. God is the God of love and peace. This is who God is in his nature, and we are to reflect his nature to a hurting world. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, For God is not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace. Jesus, though, that's God. That's the Father. And then we can take it another step further and see that Jesus himself was the ultimate peacemaker. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. How? By making peace by his blood on his cross. All that to say this, Jesus is not asking us to do or be something that God himself is not or has not done. Jesus is not hanging a stop to dry and be like, yeah, good luck, yeah, that marriage, poof, that ain't ever happening. Forget that blessing, right? Some of you may be thinking that, yeah, you don't know my spouse, you don't even know what they said to me this morning, that ain't happening. But no, I want you to understand this, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he has not done. He's not asking us to be someone that he is not he was the peacemaker and Jesus makes this amazing statement that if you will be that your life will be blessed you want your marriage to be blessed be the peacemaker you want relationships to be blessed be a peacemaker you're saying well Luke I've tried that I've tried it for a lot of years and nothing has happened you know what I want to say Don't gauge it by results. Gauge it by being obedient to what God has called you to do. Because there's a lot of relationships that probably won't be healed this side of heaven. It's the nature of sin. But that doesn't give us an excuse to just take a step back and be like, well, they're hopeless, so I'm not even going to try. It's not how they respond, it's being obedient to what God has called you to do because it's in obedience that blessing flows, it's not results. It's an obedience. So really, here's the question, as we're going to spend the rest of our time with. What is a peacemaker, and how do I become one? That's really the question, right? What is a peacemaker? And yeah, I want to be a peacemaker, but how do I become a peacemaker? Well, I want us to see this before we see those two things. (laughs) Before any of that, we must first experience peace before we can make peace. the reality we can't make peace with someone else if we ourselves have never experienced peace ourselves. how does it it doesn't work I'm going to make peace in this but I don't even know what peace is so there's three things that I want to walk through before we get into the big question and this this is the things that need to happen before we can be a peacemaker and then we will see what happens and how we are a peacemaker here's the three things that need to happen before number one is this you must experience peace with God. It's inevitable. It's like the preliminary precursor of all precursors. Like nothing else happens unless this one happens first. You cannot be a peacemaker is there, if there's not peace between you and God. If you have a broken relationship with God, then there is no peace with you and God. So if we want to be peacemakers, first thing is this. We need to experience peace with God. Listen to Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Did you miss it? Paul is saying, since we have been justified by faith, it's a big word. We've talked about it a lot. We've been made right with God. God pursued us. He initiated this relationship with us. And because of the great love for which he loved us, he came in. And then we can have peace with God. So I just want to say this. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have no peace with God. And we can talk a whole lot about peacemaking and having the shalom, this fullness, this completeness, this everything that we need. But if you are not saved, you can have no peace. It's impossible because peace comes from God. And I want you to hear this. The whole reason you're here this morning is not by accident. It's because God in his love for you brought you to this place to show you what it can be like to have peace with God. To show you what it means when you can have a relationship with the God of heaven, something that you or I did not deserve nor earn. Yet God in his love and his mercy drew you to this place to reveal his heart for you. You want peace in your marriage? You better have peace with God first. Because if there's no peace with God, there's no peace for your marriage. There's no hope for your marriage. You have to experience peace with God. This is the entire message of the gospel. If you're far from God this morning, I want you to hear this. Here is how you get peace with God. You just recognize that you can't do life on your own, that you're far from him, that no matter what you do, you cannot earn a right standing with a holy God but God in his grace and God in his love and God in his mercy made a way where there was no way. And all you have to do is say, God, I believe that when Jesus hung on the cross, that that should have been me. That the holes in his wrists and his feet and the crown and on his head, that should have been me paying for sin. But Jesus hung there anyway for you. All you have to do is believe that when Jesus hung on the cross, it counted for you. Believe that when he rose out of the grave that he was the only one that could do it. And just say, God, here's my life. You need to fix it because I can't fix it. And if you will come to him on his terms and not yours, he will set you free in a moment. And that's the beauty of the gospel. No other religion on earth will preach it because it's not true. Every other religion on earth says do something to earn the favor of my God. Jesus says, believe upon my finished work to earn the favor of the God of heaven and watch as he transforms your life and you just begin to walk with him and he opens the floodgates to show you who he is. You have to have peace with God before you can have peace with any man or woman walking this planet. It has to happen and it can happen today because God is good and he pursues his people. Number two is this, you have to experience peace with ourselves. See, once we experience peace with God, then we can have peace in ourselves. You can't have peace in yourself until you first have peace with God. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, don't miss that word, Don't miss it. The peace of God, because God gave it, it's from him. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, peace within ourselves means this, that you can fully trust, that you can fully believe that you are deeply loved by the king of heaven. That it doesn't matter what your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse or this relationship is doing. No, you can have peace knowing that you are deeply loved by the God of heaven. You can have peace that he finds great delight in you. You can find peace that he just, like, he's overwhelmed and pleased with you because you are his son or daughter if you have believed upon Christ. That gives peace in ourselves. It's not determined by what someone else thinks of me. It's not determined by how well I perform at my job and how many assets I build. It's not determined by any of that. A peace within ourselves, we can fully believe and trust that God finds great delight in you because of what Jesus did. Peace within yourself. Do you have it? Do you have that kind of peace? Or is your peace determined by what someone else says about you or the things that you do and how you perform? And, because that's not God. The beauty of the gospel is you don't have to measure up because Jesus did, and that's what gives peace. You don't have to earn your salvation because Jesus earned it for you. You don't have to earn the love of God. You don't have to do so many things to think, Oh, God finally loves me. <laughs> no. Peace in yourself comes from knowing that Jesus has paid it in full you don't have to measure up that's peace within ourselves and thirdly is this because of the first two we can experience peace with our circumstances you can't experience peace with our circumstances without having first peace with God and there's no way you're going to have peace with your circumstances you don't even have peace with yourself right But if those two happen, then you can have this peace in our circumstances. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. But then Jesus says this. In the world, you will have tribulation or struggle or trial or pain. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, it's inevitable, people's. (laughs) The ones that I love, it's inevitable. There is pain, there is struggle, there is suffering, there is sorrow, there is rejection, there is hurt. It is all there. Just because you come to Jesus doesn't mean like life's just full of pink air balloons and cotton candy and carnivals every day. No, there's struggle, there's pain, there's deep hurt in this room that I can't even process or comprehend. But I want you to take heart Jesus says and promises that it's coming if you're in him. But the reality is, in it, you may have peace. Because it's not built upon here. It's not built upon the struggles here. It's built upon there, the coming glory. One day we will be there in the presence of Almighty God. But I want you to hear this. Peace does not mean the removal of pain and hurt. Peace does not mean that you just do your whole life and, yeah, it's just, I mean, I got it figured. No, 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 no. You can have peace in the worst of circumstances if Jesus is Lord. You can have peace in the worst of circumstances if Jesus really to you is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You can and will have peace. See, it's not even something we have to muster up. That's why I asked a very important question in the beginning. I'm going to come back to it right now. Do you really believe in who Jesus is? Do you really believe that when he promises blessing that he believes it? Or is it just cool for Sunday and then the rest of life? Eh, it's kind of out of my brain, out of mind, out of of sight, out of mind, right? No, because see, here's the very important thing we have to understand. If we really believe, that Jesus is Lord, if we really believe that he is king and has our best interest in mind, we don't have to muster up this thing of like, oh man, my life is really hard. I just want peace. No, peace just flows because you believe that Jesus is king. That's how it works. They go together. They're not separated. They go together. So here's the deal. Once we experience peace with God and peace with ourselves and peace with our circumstances, then... We can be a peacemaker. What does it look like? Two things with the short few minutes that we have left. The first one is this. A peacemaker does this. We initiate reconciliation with others. Don't miss it. We initiate. Not someone else. Not your spouse who hurt you last night. And, oh, man, they should come to me and apologize. Not your business partner who did something that was dishonest. Oh, man, I can't believe he would do that. Well, I'm just waiting for him to come so I can forgive him. <laughs> I want you to see something here because it's amazing. Matthew five twenty three through 24, Jesus says this. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Did you miss it? Your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I want you to notice something. Jesus did not say, if you have something against your brother. He didn't say that. He said, if your brother has something against you. He's saying this morning, if really, if you showed up to church this morning, knowing that someone has something against you, you shouldn't even have shown up. You should have gone and made peace with the brother or the sister or your best friend or your wife or whoever who has something against you. That's your first priority, Jesus is saying. Don't come to the altar. Leave the gift at the altar and go make peace with your brother and then come back and then we'll worship. But we flip it because we live in a peacekeeping world. (laughs) We don't want to offend anyone. And even if someone has offended me, well, that's on them. you got to come ask me for forgiveness. I'm just too proud. No, you got to come after me. And even if they do, half the time we don't forgive anyway, right? (laughs) See, Jesus is saying if someone has something against you, forget coming to worship and first go make peace and reconcile with that person. Here's essentially what he's saying. Don't come and celebrate your peace with God, yet refuse to make peace with those who have something against you. It's the highest form of spiritual treason and hypocrisy. That's what he's saying. He's saying, "You, yeah, you church people, you go into the gym and you worship and you lift your hands and you talk about this peace that you have with God, but someone has something against you. You don't even care about reconciling that. You just go through and know stuck in the air, well, they offended me and that doesn't even matter. they got to come to me if they want forgiveness. It's probably happened in your marriage. I'm assuming it's happened in mine. It probably happened with your best friend or whoever. But I want you to know that Jesus is saying that we are to initiate reconciliation with others. Caroline and I, before we moved up here to plant this church, were sitting and eating in the Cheesecake Factory. I don't know if you guys have eaten the Cheesecake Factory, but it's like the bomb. <laughs> Their bread, oh my gosh, I could like, it makes me hungry just thinking about it. And we were sitting in the Cheesecake Factory in Fort Worth, downtown Fort Worth, and Uh, We would go there every once in a while, but this particular time, we were talking about what God may do if we move back here to plant a church, and we had kind of decided that that's what God had, and we were talking through the next stages and phases, and we were having just a great dinner, and for some of you, you know, I had a previous church experience, but in this moment, God literally told me, almost audible, like I couldn't even finish dinner, I I actually told Caroline, she's in kids, but if she was in here, she could vouch, I said, like, we got to, like, wrap this dinner up because I have two phone calls I have to make. She's like, what are you talking about? Well, there was a couple men in the previous church that, I mean, really, it was just a disaster. And um, it was just bad. I didn't have anything against them, but I knew that they had stuff against me. And I had apologized if I did anything. Like, I'm sorry. Like, please forgive me. But I know that these two men, regardless of any reconciliation that had been attempted to be had reconciliation was not had and I told Caroline before we go back and launch this church I have to call them and I have to just I didn't have anything to even apologize for really I mean we all have our things but I called them for one purpose and I it was a miracle of God they both answered the phone like it was crazy I don't even, I mean, that was God himself. I mean, he clearly told me to call them because they both answered the phone. And I just remember a conversation. Hey, man, I, I'm sorry if there's something that I did that is still causing you hurt. Or I know that there's some things that you've held against me, whatever. But the whole point of it is this. I didn't do it to just, I mean, was there complete reconciliation? No, there's still hurt in that relationship. But I did what God told me to do because I told Caroline I cannot launch this church until I at least make the phone calls. And I did everything that I possibly could. The rest is up to him. The relationship is not healed. But I was obedient to do what God had called me to do. Why? The whole point of it is this. Because they had something against me. I didn't have anything against them. But they had something against me. And Jesus is saying... Peacemaking is going into conflict for the sake of resolution, for the sake of peace. And right here in Matthew 5, Jesus says it himself, go to your brother if he has something against you. You know what the crazy thing is? We all had something against God and he went straight to us. Once again, it's crazy. He's not even asking us to do something that he himself didn't do. You're like, oh, that's crazy. Go to my brother. Well, Jesus went to you. God came to you. Trust me, you, you had all sorts of stuff against him. The list could be a mile long and 15 miles wide. Every person in this room, including me, had a whole lot of things against God. And God initiated and went after you for the sake of peace. He made peace where there was no peace. That's God. He was willing to go into conflict and say what needed to be said to bear righteousness in a situation. And we are called to do the same. And Jesus says, if you do that, your life will be blessed. Is there any greater promise? I don't think so. So the question is this, this morning, in initiating reconciliation. Is there a fractured relationship in your life right now? Someone who has deeply hurt you or harmed you? Is there a business deal that has gone wrong? Is there a friendship that maybe you used to be best friends with something and something happened and the friendship is completely severed now? Is there someone who has something against you? Is there a situation that occurred years ago that someone is holding against you? If so, and if you are a son or daughter of the king, you are to pursue peace with them. And you are to pursue restoration with them. And you are to pursue reconciliation with them. It's not their job. It's your job. It's my job. Doesn't matter how deeply they've offended you. It's your job to pursue peace, restoration, reconciliation. And even if nothing happens in the end, you have been obedient to do what Jesus has told you to do, and in that there is blessing. It's crazy. See, you can rest in the fact that you are being obedient, and God honors obedience. See, peacemaking is not relieving the tension, it's keeping the right tension. I was scouring the school this morning because I didn't have this, and I was thinking I wanted a rope, but I didn't find one. I can't break this dang thing. Sorry, Stillwater, I'll buy you a new thing off a box if you need it. But often we view peacemaking as peace. Keeping, you know, like it's not about relieving the tension. There's tension in some relationships that need to happen for reconciliation to happen, to go through the hard things, the deep things. If this was a rope, you're going to have to imagine with me, but I could pull a whole lot of tension on this thing. I, I can't break this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not Arnold anymore. Right? But you could pull a bunch of tension on this. You keep breaking it and pulling it and pulling it. And that's what a lot of us do in relationship. We're like, man, I'm just going to pull this thing as hard as I possibly can and get as much tension in there. And I'm not breaking and I'm not bowing because they wronged me. Peacemaking is not just removing all the tension and just letting it go limp. Peacemaking is not just keeping so much tension on the thing until it breaks. Like I said, I wanted a string because I could break it. I can't break this. But peacemaking is this, keeping the right tension in the pursuit of peace. It's not bending over and flopping and owning something that maybe you didn't even do. It's not asking for forgiveness from something for someone that you didn't even do and you're not oh, just a spiritual. No, you don't ask for forgiveness if you never wronged. Like, that's stupid. Stand firm but pursue peace. Keep the right tension. Don't let it break in your marriage. Keep the right tension, but also don't let it go limp and just fall to the ground. See, it's not about keeping the peace. It's about making the peace. you got to make it happen with God's help. Once you have peace with God, once you have peace with yourself, once you have peace in your circumstance, then you can go and make peace and reconcile with others. The second thing is this, the last one. We extend forgiveness to others. We extend forgiveness to those who have wronged you. It's a hard one. Very hard. Way easier said than done. Maybe you've been holding a grudge on someone who wounded you years ago, maybe a friend or a spouse. And maybe it's deeply, deeply wounded you. It cuts to the core. And maybe they've changed, but you still hold it over their head. Maybe they didn't love or pursue you early on in your marriage. And now they're trying to love and pursue you in your marriage now, but you just, you just kick them to the curb because you just keep harboring this bitterness for what they had done in your past, the way that they treated you, the things that they said. And they're trying to pursue you with everything you can, what they can, and you just won't let them in. And it becomes your excuse to not pursue them now because of the past. Yeah, maybe I let them in a little bit, but really, if my heart is honest, I don't really want to let them in, and I go to some other relationship to find my emotional help and strength because they hurt me many years ago. I want you to hear this. This is not representative of the heart of God, and it is not peacemaking. Or maybe a friend or a spouse hurts you, and they haven't changed. And it appears they have no interest in changing. If you're a son or daughter of God, you are called to be a peacemaker and extend forgiveness even when someone doesn't deserve it. It's called the gospel. Jesus extended to us what we did not deserve. And he made peace with God by hanging on a cross for the atonement of sin. It's peacemaking. Jesus was the master peacemaker. In Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus a question that prompts an answer about an unforgiving servant. It's a parable, and I want you to hear Matthew 18:21 through 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, who he came up to Jesus and said, "Lord, how often will my brother who or how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him?" As many as seven times? I can just hear Peter seven. If you know anything about Scripture's fulfillment, it's complete, it's lacking nothing. And can't you just see Peter? He's like, oh, I got Jesus on this one. I'm just saying, how many times do I forgive him? Seven times? Like, perfect amount of forgiveness. Like there's there's no lack here. Seven times, it's the number of completion, it's the number of fulfillment. And Jesus comes back and says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times, or seventy times seven. This is not a number that is to be calculated. You're like, oh, let me get my calculator out here. 70 times seven. Oh yeah, that many times I passed the test. Nope. Sorry, failed. <laughs> Jesus is saying continuously, there is no end. Jesus is saying when someone wrongs you, when they come against you, you are just to forgive them whether they earned it or deserved it or not. Why peacemaking? Pursuing righteousness. I don't know where you're at. But I know one thing, and I will promise it to you. In a room this size, there are many fractured relationships. There are many harbors of bitterness. There are many deep pains that you're trying to wrestle with and deal with that you just don't know how to do it. And I want you to hear this. Jesus says, don't miss it. Happy, blessing, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Why? Because they reflect his image. I'm telling you this morning, as I've been, I got a lot in myself <laughs> That if you will pursue the one who has something against you, if you will go to make peace and not keep peace, Jesus will bless it. Maybe not in the way that we think blessing should be, but it doesn't matter. God will bless obedience. See, those who have been forgiven forgive much. Forgiveness is the initial step in peacemaking, laying down our right to be offended. We love being offended, right? We love holding on to the right to be offended. We have no right to be offended because Jesus took our right. He took our right by hanging on the cross the greatest offense so that human man, so humankind could be set free. I was laying in bed the other night, Caroline and I were, and we were just having a conversation. The mood was light and it was great. And we were just talking and she said something that, She's in a way that she was not intending it. But me and my selfishness took it in a way that she was not intending it. And my first response was, did I really just hear that? Do you have any idea how hard I work? Do you have any idea how tired I am? And you think that? And all of a sudden the room just like, you want to talk about tension? This was the room right here, like real, like just loose and nice. And it was like, boom. And the only thing that could cut it was the sharpest knife that humankind makes. And we were laying there, and the temptation was to just roll over and go to sleep. But no. That may be the temptation, but that's not what God calls us to do. So I owned it, and I asked for forgiveness, and she did the same. And all of a sudden, the mood began to lighten again, and we went to sleep, having made peace. But we have to own it. It is very hard to own something and ask for forgiveness something with your spouse or whoever. It can be very hard, but you gotta do it. You want blessing? Do it, own it. You believe that Jesus is good? Do it, own it. See, if we're going to be... Peacemakers, we must pursue and extend forgiveness. If the band wants to come up, we're about done. To refuse to be peacemakers, hear this, is to not reflect the character and nature of God, who has saved you and set you free. And Jesus is saying, if you exercise the act, the art of peacemaking, you prove to be mine. Let's not segregate this and say, well, I just have the choice to peacemake if I want to. I mean, this is what cuts deep to me is Jesus is literally saying, If you are mine, if you have been bought by my blood and I have saved you, you will be a peacemaker. It's not like something I muster up and try to do once in a while. No, it's the outflow of who I am because I realize what God has done for me. He's saying they shall be called sons of God. Why? Because they are sons or daughters of God if you're in the art of peacemaking because that's what God himself did. So here's the question as we wrap it up. Where do you need to make peace? Who do you need to make peace with? Who do you need to extend forgiveness to, even if it's unmerited? Today is the day. Don't wait. You want the fullness of blessing in your life? Do what God's called you to do. You want a blessed life? Be a peacemaker. You want your marriage to be healthy? Pursue your spouse. Own something that you did wrong. Quit harboring bitterness for something they did to you 30 years ago and you're still holding it against them. That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't harbor bitterness. He could have harbored bitterness on my life 500 million miles long for the ways that I have come against him and rejected him and disowned him and just slapped him in the face and wounded him deeply. But no, that's not the heart of God and that's not the heart of God's people if you're in him. We don't harbor bitterness. We extend forgiveness. We don't run from conflict. We run straight into it for the sake of peace. And if you will do that, the most amazing thing ever will happen. God, the King of glory, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the all-sovereign loving one, the one who created you with a purpose. The one who loves you without a shadow of a doubt. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do for him. If you were in Christ and have accepted his blood as forgiveness. If you will run into conflict the way that Jesus ran into conflict for you. He will bless your life. He will bless your relationships. You may not see the outcome as blessing in some of them. But I promise you. God is good on his word, and he blesses the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are so good, and that you are so gracious with me, God. I thank you that you made a way where there was no way. And God, right now, I'm asking in this room for Anyone that is holding grudges, that is holding something against their spouse, relationship that's fractured, God, they know, I know, that you would do an amazing thing. They would feel you so close and near, God, that this would be the day that those are healed, that this would be the day that we begin to be a people that are peacemakers because you were a peacemaker for us. So, God, I'm asking right now, by the power of your spirit, as people leave this room, God, that we would be a people that act upon the conviction of your spirit and that we would believe that if we are obedient, you will honor it and that if we are obedient, you will bless it and you will do things. God, the possibility of reconciliation is just mind-blowing if we will just be obedient to do the things you have called us to do. God, we love you. And we thank you that you're good. And we ask, God, that you would make us that type of people that make peace. God, a bunch of people that are sold out and in love with you. And the outflow of our heart would be to reflect your character and your nature. We love you, God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.